Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Next to me, coming back to the show, been a minute. My co-host is my man, mm. Chaz McCrazy, Chaz Knights. <laughs> McCrazy. Chaz McCrazy. He's the lead singer of your favorite party band here in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, called Red Leather. Chaz, welcome back to Tricky Kid Radio. What is up? For Rizzle. Well, instead of doing 90s stuff, uh, we're actually going to be doing 80s stuff. So one thing we're going to be talking about is uh, is the year 1983. Our special mm. guest, yeah. Mm. Our special guest is none other than the, the creator of the G.I. Joe universe as, you, as we know it. What? Larry Hama uh, is here. He's cu- he's coming back. You guys, of course, remember our episode that we did with Larry uh, at the beginning of the year. So we started the year with Larry. We thought we'd end the year with Larry. That's he nice. One of our, he's one of our biggest influence. I have his work tattooed on my body. Where? No, really. Right there and really? there. I doubled down is what I did. You see. <laughs> Two for one. <laughs> you would think if you looked at it. But uh, I... Uh, <laughs> And so we want to welcome Larry back we had yes. a, and uh, to the show. And we're going to talk about all things that happened in 1983. You would be so surprised, listeners out there, uh, that things that you still enjoy and think about uh, and experience and whatever, it all seemed to have taken place in that one magical year. And in most of the part, in that one magical summer. When you think of 1983, Chaz, what do you think about? Uh, the summer of 83, I think about... Being born. Born. You were born in 83. But I don't want the listeners to think that I'm old. So, yes, I was born in 83. No. Uh, well, you know then, what well, I think you about? You know what I think about? It's real easy to think about Van Halen 1984 because it's real close to 83. Right. But I, you know what the first thing that I thought of when you said 83? Death Leopard Pyromania. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I think that came out in 83, right? Yes. It did. It did. It yes. Did. Can I get All right. it? Hi, <laughs> But that's what I mean. And, and, and you know, there are... Okay. Being the music nerd, that's what I thought well, of first. Well, yeah, no. But, okay, but and this is nothing against millennials or whatever, but do you think that, like, there's people out there, maybe not enough time has passed, but do you think that there are people who kind of go, oh, man, 2012, Kanye. You know oh, what I mean? Like, you know, God. There's you know, too much of that going on. I, yeah, but I don't, think that there, I don't think that there's, like, that the way that we consume music, and this is what we'll get into a little bit, too, is that consuming music or consuming anything, the only way to consume it was to own it. Okay? That's right. Yeah. Our only streaming was basically was MTV. Right, right, right. right. Which really started to have its... its, its that's really when it started taking off, yeah. yeah. 83. Um, because that's what people don't understand it. Like, if you wanted to see a movie or you wanted to, you know, do anything, you actually had to own the album. Now, young people can't really conceive of that. But, right. But, but I digress. Uh, I want to talk about... <laughs> Uh, digress all you want. I will, I will. Uh, <laughs> our sponsors here is my man Theo Garza. Mm. He's gonna. He's also on board. He uh, is going to teach all of us old people <laughs> that, that remember 83 clearly. Now keep on, I was only nine years old in 83. So no, I was I trying to think how old I was. Mm. I was probably a couple couple days older than you. Right. Uh, I, remember, I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember you buying beer for our friends. No, uh, I'm not in 83. Get out of here. And, uh, it's like, right, right. Uh, but, uh, but Theo is uh, going to teach all of us how to navigate and use 
for those who need it, social media. I think I do pretty good, and you're a pretty good social media guy. <laughs> yeah, try. Uh, but, you know, there, there are some people out there that maybe were not nine years old. Maybe they were more like 10 or even 20 in, in 1983 that could use some help. I want you to check out my man, Theo Garza. Uh, he is the tech uh, doctor, and he's going to help you out. And we're going to have uh, uh, all types of ways where you can get a hold of Theo. Uh, and he can he can be your tutor. He's the tech tutor, Theo Garza. <laughs> nice. And we'll leave his. You want to call Theo at two one four seven six nine one one nine four. That's two one four seven six nine one one nine four. Email him at techsavvytutors at gmail dot com. It's technology made easier. And we want to thank Theo uh, for helping out our listeners of. of, of uh, navigating all their social media and he can become a pro at apps social media sites cell phones you name it give theo a call maybe i need to call theo because i mean i'm okay but you can always learn for sure you know, and theo's a man there's so yeah. much technology and there's something like podcast you know like this yeah. is all this is even new to me even though it's been around for a little while i mean this is great no totally and then also theo has a like a like a super hot girlfriend and you always trust somebody nice. that has a super who has a freaking like movie star name it's like catalina esperanza or something nice and she is here uh to also uh she evaluates style she's a stylist over at the buckle over here at the frisco stonebriar mall here in frisco texas and she gave your boy dj tricky kid right here nice a little assessment and uh Uh And no, it was it was positive. Okay, good. Being good. in her presence was just simply positive. <laughs> she could have told me I was going to die in ten minutes. Yeah, it would have mattered. And you would have been like, "Cool, <laughs> ridiculously gorgeous, and and, and awesome, and fun, and, and well, wonderful." And we so, hope to see her in the future. Yes, uh, but 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 not only that, but just 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 a good time. We had a great time with with Theo and Catalina, and uh, and like I said, if you need your tech savviness. Call Theo if you need your style. Go to the buckle at the Stonebriar Mall here in Frisco, Texas, and she'll get you all set up there. Awesome. And we also want to thank our friends, of course, at SuicideGirls.com. Uh, so for those of you that uh, were probably about 10 years old in, uh, in 1983, you're now uh, uh, 40s, in your 40s. And even right. if you're in your, as long as you're uh, over 18, uh, it doesn't matter what year, as long as you're over 18, to enjoy SuicideGirls.com. And guess what? We're going to be giving away not one, but two free one-year subscriptions uh, to the listeners uh, on this right on this episode, and we'll even show you how to get all set up and get all hooked up. Uh, and then what we'll do is is that all you have to do is just subscribe here and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Tricky Kid TV, where you can currently see the host of the current Suicide Girls Blackheart Burlesque, the the stunning host Lexi Meow, and her very Meow. first ever <laughs> interview ever. Uh, and come on, man, just I gotta do it's free to subscribe to this show, Tricky Kid Radio, and to our YouTube channel. And hey man, you, you do it, send us a screenshot that you did it, we'll get you a free year of suicidegirls.com. Pretty Not gonna easy. lie, I was on Suicide Girls the other day, the, the suicidegirls.com. Really enjoyed myself. It really did. It's gorgeous. It's a Man, that website has grown, you know, it has, it has. I mean, over the years. I mean, it's, it's been around for like 20 years now. Almost, yeah, like, like 16, That's crazy, because yeah. I remember when it started. I did too, yeah, because there and, was nothing like it at the time. Right, right, right. alternative models, tattoos, piercings, you know, 
uh, rock rocker chicks is kind of what I've always thought it was like a rocker chick, right? Right, or just or just kind of the alternative, you know? Like it's not it's not the Pamela Anderson, it's just right, right not yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, man, I mean, they have really grown. And there's a I mean, there's a touring show. They're working on a musical. There's books. Wow. But here's the, probably my favorite thing. Yes, all the girls are beautiful and gorgeous and and, and super sexy and it's, it's awesome, but it's actually social media done right. In this day and age, again, my man Theo will show you how to navigate it, but what he can't show you how, how to, to do is to get past all the hate and the negativity because it's just there. And what's so cool about SuicideGirls.com is it's the same thing. You make a profile, and everybody is just cool. You know, everybody's just, they're happy to be there. I mean, we need more of that. Yeah, it's like it's the people are supportive. There's no, it's, it's non, there's no judgmental. It's a no crap. judgment zone. Well, yeah, man. At least if, if it is, I haven't seen it. So, anyway, so we want to go ahead and dive right into 1983. We 1983. Wanted, we, and you mentioned Pyromania. We're going to get into the music. I've got a couple of things instead of trying to go in some like chronological order. I got a few little tidbits and then we'll kind of get into that. Sure. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention, uh, like I said, was that uh, the. Uh, that how much I love 1983 specifically. I mean, it just feels like, and keep in mind, I was, again, and this is not going to be through the eyes of, like, a, somebody that was 60 years old in 1983. It's going to be through, you know, the eyes of, you know, of a child, people who grew up in the 80s and, you know, have, have a lot of, like you said, one of those, like, records that you you know the year. Like, you may not know what year Testament's ninth album came out, <laughs> right? But you know when New Order came out. You know, you think about, oh man, yeah. or when you think about you know '83, you might think about you know Kill 'Em All. You know, that's the first Metallica record, right? You right. Know what, you know what I'm saying? So you know, I, I I did the math. I used my fingers and one foot, and I did the math. I was actually 15 in 1983. I think you're finally telling me how old you are for real for the first time. Yeah, because nobody really knows. I mean, I have my rock star age, my my personality age. But I just let it out, didn't I? Like, that's like my the yeah, real yeah. deal age. But I think I need to add three years to that. Right no, no. <laughs> don't add any more. I'm trying to subtract at this point. Don't, so, don't add. Okay, so that means that you were born in the 60s. Unbelievably, yes. Wow. 68, then. That's right. The same year. So I mean, I'm real into 69, but yeah, I came a little that early. That means that you turned the big 5-0 this year, Mr. That's Jeff. right. That's I can't right. believe it. That's right, man. Halfway so, there. So I turned 44. Okay. Uh, uh, back in March. So you were how old in 83? Nine. Nine, okay. Yeah. Well, that's close. Well, yeah, not that bad. I mean, yeah. I mean and, and back then, it, you know, like I said, like my friends were probably 13, 14. It wasn't like, like now it'd be like a nine year old hanging out with a 15. You were hanging out with the 13 year old girls, is what you're saying? Not, I wasn't quite with the girls yet, but I, uh, but I, I was definitely had the, uh, I definitely had, I had the, uh, I had the, the gumption, but I just didn't quite have the ability yet. So I, uh, <laughs> which this was more of my taste. One of the things that is amazing is about the things that we experience is just the yin and the yang because I experienced both of these. So let me let me throw something at you here. Sure. So like for example, I mean I mean just a little sample. So for example, like I didn't just experience nine year old things, but here would be an example. On September twelfth, nineteen eighty three, Inspector Gadget hmm. cartoon series it debuted in syndication. It ran for two seasons and eighty six episodes. Go, go, Gadget. Go, go, Gadget. And I can remember running home to watch Inspector Gadget. What do you remember about, if you were 15, you were still in school, 
Yeah. So we're, was was coming home. But I was like in high school. I was just starting high school. Okay. Right. So for for me, running home and watching TV, I was like what they call a latchkey kid, where I, there was no back <laughs> babysitter and you had the key around your neck. Right. Right. And you had about you had about two hours before anybody came home, and you had to just make your cereal and watch your TV shows. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. So maybe not in 1983, but what do you what do you remember that that was your version of that? In 83 or like around when I was nine? Well, just like when, when you think about that. Does it have to be 83? Oh, man. Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. yeah. That was that kind was, of more of a summer... That was a come home and watch that show in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, but, you know, again, again, I'm like six years older. But, yeah, in 83, I wasn't really watching. Uh, maybe I was. I don't really remember. Man, I got my first guitar in 83. So you were so, so you weren't exactly breaking out breaking out the GI Joes in the and the Transformers in '83. I, I had them and did it, but man, when I got that guitar, man, that that's that consumed me. I mean, my whole life changed in '83. Well, yeah, for sure. All those great albums came out, you know. So 1983 was actually was a life changing year for you. It was huge. I mean, because what what happened was what had happened was. The early 80s, a lot of great albums came out that really influenced me. But you're right, 83 was a turning point because I remember asking my dad, oh, I want a guitar because I'd listen to all these bands. I remember Back in Black came out, like 80, 81, 82, <clears throat> Kill Em All. I mean, a lot of the albums that, you know, all the huge bands that we have now are bands that had huge careers. That was right when they had their break, you know, in that era, right? Uh, Def Leppard, obviously. But I remember all these great albums coming out and me just idolizing these rock stars. Uh, Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love. Uh, but 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 I asked for that guitar for Christmas and my dad like totally fooled me like, ah, get, I ain't getting a guitar. What are you, crazy? You damn hippie? You know, my, there, there was me. I was like all depressed. Like that's all I wanted. And I even took him to like, uh, we had not a guitar center. It was called Pro Sound. And I took him down there. I was like, this is the one I want. And you know, Turn it, putting it into an amplifier and just, you know, not knowing how to play at all. But man, I wanted one so bad. And uh, we did our Christmas. And I think it was the Christmas of either 82 or 83. I think it was right then. And my dad, uh, we opened all the presents, right? And of course, I didn't get the guitar. And I'm totally bummed, man. I'm like, yeah, Christmas. All right, I got socks and like, you know, from grandma. And I got like, you know, crap. Uh, not, not nothing I really wanted. I mean, yeah, it was Christmas. And then all of a sudden, my dad comes walking out of the room, and he's holding this Yamaha. It looks like it's a it's a knockoff of a Fender Strat. It's black and white. That's the one I wanted. And uh, it was Eric Clapton. Like Eric it looks like Eric Clapton's guitar. And he brings it out. I'm like, yeah, I got my guitar. So that '83 was life changing for me. I mean, I started learning to play guitar. And it consumed me. I was already you know a big music fan, but man, that guitar. It, that's when I mean I'm well, still, see, I didn't even know that whenever I inviting you I just knew that you would think about pyromania and things like that yeah yeah you know? yeah you know obviously the music but that was personally I mean that was the year that I and I'm still playing music till this still playing guitar singing and, and, and then, but that was my first year actually with an instrument and saying this is what I'm going to do and playing so so 1983 again was very pointed for you yeah and that same week I we're talking about Inspector Gadget something in the music world at least in the rock music world that i remember i watched inspector gadget though don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> but that same week on september 18th 
uh, which was, again, like I said, you know, we're kind of doing the 35th anniversary of 83 because there's so much that happened, was the rock group KISS officially appeared in public in oh, MTV. I remember this. Without makeup for the first time. Yes, I remember this. This was great on MTV. And J.J. Jackson. From Rest MTV. in peace, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was the one that actually introduced them. And then they, what they did is they showed the picture of them in makeup and then that kind of faded into them without makeup, right? Right. Yeah. And so, but Kiss to a nine-year-old, eighty-three, might as well have been, you know, Batman. It might, it, they were right. they were cartoon characters. They were oh, they, they were they, great. That they, was the first band I ever got into. Was Kiss? Yes. Okay. Oh, so yeah. That was like your first. So mine, of course, was Motley because I'm a little, little, little younger. Yeah, six years. I right. get it. Motley Crue was like the second coming of Kiss, if you think about it, in a little, in a little bit. In a sense, it was. I, I like to think that anything that they that takes it's better than the. Some of their parts that so they t- took the New York Dolls, they took Kiss, they kind of took yeah, they more like more of the punk attitude, almost like Motorhead in a sense, but with the kind of the Kiss look with the yeah. leather and then kind of the crazy hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And as a matter of fact, so if you can imagine it, okay, on Monday, Inspector Gadget debuts. <laughs> what a week! On Tuesday, Kiss says hi and comes out with her makeup, and then on Wednesday, Motley Crue releases. Unleashes the landmark album that I still list that is as personal to me as the sound of my own voice. Shout at the devil. So that was huge for you, obviously, because that was your first. Totally. Now listen, I had Too Fast for Love already, and I was the only one in my high school. Me and one other guy had Too Fast for Love. I was so into Motley Crue that I actually took the Too Fast for Love record to school and was like showing all the kids like. This is like the next big band. Like I was on, wow. I was already such a music nerd at yeah, such a too. young age. Me too. And then, so the anticipation for Shout the Devil was so huge for me. I mean, but you know, people that they hadn't really broke out nationwide. I mean, Too Fast for Love was out and people that were music people knew about them. But man, that first video when they did Looks the Looks Kill. Looks the Kill, right, right. And, um, that was that was eighty three. Same man. same week. That same and keep on September. You know, you're back in school. You know what I mean. And I remember coming home from school. Well, now listen up. And oh, seeing she's a razor sharp. <laughs> yeah. But the thing about this, I was so into Motley and still so into Motley. Uh, and we can get into this a little bit later. But I, I heard that they're finally going to release the movie The Dirt. That's going to be coming oh, out. I heard. Like kind of like on my birthday. March. Yeah, March. It's actually going to be on my birthday. And we they should and go they, together. I think it's going to be, I think, I hope it's going to be a theatrical release because I'll be. I thought they said Netflix. They said Netflix, right? Yeah. Which is fine. It's going to be an event. We can Netflix and chill, brah. (laughs) Together (laughs) with some homebrew here, right? (laughs) But I can't tell you. So here's, I'll tell you my quick Too Fast for Love story real fast was that, so around the time, the lead in of the Smoking in the Boys Room uh, later, the album that came after, of course, was Theater of Pain, right? So I can remember going to the record store, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I don't have it right in front of me, but I'll show you before you leave today, is that I went there because I thought that there was a new Motley Crue record. And there was one coming, Theater Payne was coming, but it wasn't out, yet, just a single was out. And I remember going to a record store, and I, it was on my birthday again, uh, and I had like you know like you get the like the you know the money for your birthday, you get to go spend it. Uh, and, grandma gave you twenty five bucks. Uh, no, more, it was more like ten. But, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Damn it, Grandma! And think, thankfully, albums were only like. Eight she nine. still gives me ten. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Grandma. Come on. 
Bump it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, hello. I mean, you should add a dollar like for I know, every, for every year, year right? right? She's still giving me a $10 check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah in a check. It's awesome. In a card and all that. And well, anyway, well, so I went there looking for the new Motley Crue record. I knew nothing about Too Fast for Love. Keep in mind, I mean, my, this is before the internet. And so you were all shout the devil. I thought, and, it, and I thought, I thought that there was. Wow. So okay. So when I'm going, so you discovered it backwards. I pull up too fast for love, and I think this is the this is the one that's got smoking in the boys' room because I'm you. See what I'm saying it's right. like a new record. You thought right, and then it and I Mind took it home. Blowing. I took it home, and what's so cool about it is that back then, if you might remember this or not. You actually could return records within 30 days because they were they were um, you know fragile, right? Right. And what had happened was is it on the on the shut it, yeah, on the thing, uh, what do you call it? The, the price tag, they would they would pull it off, right? And there would be, sorry, there would be there would be a date on it, and the date says April 10th, meaning I had 30 days from March 10th. Well, my birthday's March 5th. Okay, so. I still have my copy of Too Fast for Love that still got that April 10th, 1984 nice. speak, uh, a sticker on it. So, nice. of course, that completely changed my life, and, and that is my favorite album by anyone ever. Uh, even just today. Too uh, Fast for Love is. My favorite, More than Shout the Devil. My favorite record by anyone ever. It is, it is, it is again. It's a great record, man. But it's just, it's just something else that has transcended in my life. It has become, I see. It has become like, just... It's hard to it's hard to know it's nerdy. It's hard to explain this, but no, I feel the same way about it. There's a song on it called "Merry Go Round." Oh yeah, and there's I a, mean I'm seeing it in my head as you're talking. That's the one song that I start singing in my head. So there's a part where Mick Mars's guitar goes out of tune when he's doing the solo, and it kind of just does this little bend when he does it. Somehow, if you can imagine it, I've been fortunate to have uh, the same best friend for like 30 years, right? Thank you, man. Oh no, not me. <laughs> You're up there, uh, but we met. We met first. How was right. that? But wait, okay. somehow when when you hear that little attitude bend, mm-hmm. it is somehow in, encapsulates thirty years of our friendship. It somehow exists just in that that bar. I know it sounds nuts, but the minute when I hear it, it hits me in a profound, I get it, personal man. way. I totally get that it. Somehow, thirty years of our friendship exist in that little that little phrase. I love it. That's so, really weird. No, I'm just I know. kidding. But here's what's even funnier. If you follow up on that, uh, this morning, of course, it's Christmas time, and I love Christmas, and so I only listen to Christmas music during Christmas time. But uh, my, my my wife, Jocelyn, uh, does this thing where she is not into metal and does know, knows nothing about it, <laughs> couldn't even, te- never even heard of Motley Crue until I, I told her. Really? And this morning, I had trouble getting up. We had It was our son's uh, four-month appointment. And also want to thank everybody out there that's been uh, writing in and asking about Miles and Jocelyn. We want to thank you so much. Uh, and he's doing great. And today he turned four months. Uh, anyway, so she did this. She did the thing where she goes, hey, I don't want to say it. I don't want to activate it. But she says, hey, Google. She goes, play Motley Crue too fast for love. Because she knows that'll get me up. That's, that's my, nice. And so suddenly I'm hearing, you know, take my fist to break down wall. You know, and I'm like. What? Huh? I can do anything. I'm ready. So yeah. now you're up. Yeah. Right. So so she has worked that into like an alarm clock. And I and I want to put a patent on this. I have this idea for the human ringtone. 
And what that means is every time I walk into a room, uh, you, something starts playing. Yeah, and I want it to be the opening riff to Too Fast for Love. Instead of being like, hey, I wonder when Roy's getting here. It's like your back is turned, and I entered the room. I was like, right. here. It's like you're a professional wrestler, and you come walking in, that's and my, it's your theme that's, song. That's my walk-on song. Right. So you know you're saying that. I was, I mean, I mean, in 83, I'm telling you, man, Too Fast for Love was my album. I mean, that I feel that connection, too. And whenever I... I'm the same way. If I was going out like on a Saturday night, <clears throat> and still to this day, if I had to pick, like, hey, I want to get hype, I want to go do something, it would be too fast for love. Yeah. It would be. It would be. That album is the album you listen to if you if you want to go out and you're going to party and you want to do is. something, you want to feel badass. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you just want to set the mood, set the tone for the night. Totally. You let you put on too fast for love, Motley Crue. That that sets it right there every time. Till this day, I still do that. But now, what set the tone for the year? Because all this we're talking about around around September, right? Right. Three, right? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. same week. What started the year was what started this podcast and started this conversation was on January twentieth. Def Leppard just dropped a bomb on all of us. Oh, with, so huge. When I think of nineteen eighty three, like maybe like, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, I want to with you when, when I when I think of 1983 because I didn't I didn't I was too young to have known what, who Metallica was. I can't say I heard Killaball in '83. I didn't hear it till like '86. Right? You know what I mean? I think I heard it. '83. Well, you were 15. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was nine, and I was already import shopping. So, so yes, yeah, so you were always going. You were going to Pipe Dream and getting all the right. And they considered Killaball an import. Oh, at the metal store, at the record store. Well, it was because it, because it actually was released on, on a label called Music for Nations before it became to the states. So there you, you go, it, you had nerd. Be, I know, right? I know. <laughs> but but seriously, like I may not be to this day the world's biggest Def Leppard fan, just like how I'm still a massive Botley fan. But dude, when I seriously, even more so. Oh, everybody than, was into. You could not be into that album. Even more so than. Even more so than, than, than Motley. Pyromania owned all of us, especially those of the MTV generation. That whole year. Oh, my God. And how many Photograph times? and Foolin' and, and of course, Too Late for Love and, oh, and of course, Rock, Rock Till You Drop and, and Stage Fright. Billy's Got a Gun. Rock of... What a decent laugh and all right. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. Uh, I can tell some story. My first concert ever, Def Leppard. My on, first concert. On the Pyromania tour? Did you no, on the High and Dry tour the summer before. That was the fall before. I think it was probably fall of 82. Okay. Well, I think right before. No, maybe they recorded. Maybe it was like May of 82. But <clears throat> I saw Def Leppard on the High and Dry tour. And they played the City Auditorium. I'm from Colorado, so they played the, the Colorado Springs City Auditorium. It was Def Leppard and Blackfoot. They opened for Blackfoot, which was the band that derived from Leonard Skinner's guitar player, Ricky Medlock. Because Leonard Skinner had broken up. You know, they had plane crashes and shit and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and then... They were on tour and they had train, train, you know that. Uh, I don't know if you're Blackfoot or Renewable. I remember were, that. Right? I remember, yeah. And so uh, Def Leppard actually got the spot to open up for Blackfoot in America on the High and Dry tour. And they came to our auditorium in my hometown of Colorado Springs. And I won tickets on the radio. I was 12 years old. So how did that happen? Maybe it was before that then because I was 15 and 83. 
So that was, was like, way before. Maybe it was like three years. But it doesn't seem right. If Pyromania came out in 83, was it three years that High and Dry came out? I think High and Dry came out in 80, 81 or 88. Why did it? Oh, okay. So this had to, it had to be right around that time then, 82 okay. or something. Maybe, maybe I was a little older. Maybe I was like 13 or 14. Who knows? I was smoking a lot of pot back then. Well, when we do our 82 episode, we will we will <laughs> bring it all back. No worries. But, yeah, but I really wasn't a huge fan of Def Leppard either. You know what you're saying? You said I wasn't. But when that Pyromania came out in 83, oh my. Well, no, I, what I was saying was, was it, I, I haven't really retained my Def Leppard fandom in 2018. It, it's not an album that I reference often. Okay. Pyromania? Okay, like now. Whereas, as... I guarantee you, you put it on right now. Oh, no, I love it. I'm oh, just, my God. Every song. I'm just saying I listened to Shout at the Devil like it was oh, 1983. But that's, different. That's yeah, no, no. I, see, I know what you're saying. But, but my introduction, like, I, I may not have been into Motley if I hadn't heard Power Mania first. It kind of prepared me for it. You yeah. see? Now, but nothing could have prepared anybody for this. And we're kind of getting into one type of music here, but... Branch out, but this was branch out. But no, but we're, we're going to do. We have to do one more in the metal world here because okay. the very first record, metal record, to ever hit number one, and one of the, still one of the only few to ever go to number one was that March, also 1983. Uh-oh. Quiet Riot releases. Oh metal my health. god! Oh my! God. This is the greatest year ever. I'm telling you. I told you. 83. Yeah. Quiet Riot, Metal Health. So you're in a band called Red Leather that oh. plays covers. And how many how many songs from Pyromania and Metal Health do you guys include in your set? Oh, I mean, we Metal Health, Come On, Feel the Noise, Rock of Ages, Photograph. I mean, plus all the Motley Crue, obviously. But wow, you yeah. know what? And that album brings back memories, so many memories. Totally. I mean, that that was the number that went number one. Didn't it was it? the first one to ever go to number one, and one of the few to still only to go to number one still. And now it was an album that was keep in mind. That was made for MTV. Without MTV, there would have been no number one. Okay, right, right, because right. the video, Metal Health, Come On, Feel the Noise. Well, well, you know, a Slade cover, but still something that was made for MTV. When you're nine years old, and again, and like television is your babysitter, and you're consuming this all day long. When you see, remember the mask and right. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so. Insanity. Yeah, <clears throat> but that album. If, if we can just dive into that for a minute. That album, I think, even though it was number one, I don't think people. I think it was people only know it for Metal Health and Come On, Fill the Noise. I don't think people appreciate that album for as deep as it is. No, no, Slick Black Cadillac, Cadillac. That, even that Thunderbird, Winners Take All. Yeah, I mean, there were some awesome songs on that on that actual album. That uh, you know, after that, they kind of released some. Uh, the next album, Quiet Riot Two, was. A rip off of that, but they really didn't have anything. But that first album, there was some really good stuff on there. And you know who was the original guitar player for Quiet Riot? Well, of course, Randy Rhodes. Golly, you're a nerd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't. Who? Who actually? Uh, now I don't. Now just to switch gears because we were we, we we started about that incredible weekend of, of, in September, um, where we talked about Inspector Gadget debuted. <laughs> then. On, Which I think is probably your favorite cartoon ever. Well, no, we're about to get to that. So, uh, oh. so on Monday, we've got Inspector Gadget. Right. Tuesday, Kiss takes off the makeup. Right. Wednesday, we've got Shout at the Devil. Right. And oh, then on, this is September, the first week. And now on September 5th, 1983, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Right. Debut in syndication. 
My son has a He-Man figure till this day. So I would run home and I thought I hadn't done it in years. I'm now a new parent, as we, we mentioned, I'm right. a four month old. And he's, of course, a little too young for it. But now that they have He-Man on Netflix, I couldn't resist, right? right. I probably hadn't seen it in 30 years and was oh, thinking... yeah, thinking, since 83. Probably. And I was thinking this is going to be unwatchable crap, right? And it, it hasn't aged that well. But one thing I was thinking was, was it, I would run home because the show would start... Like, we got out... If I, let's say we got out at, like... Let's say the show started at, like, 4 o'clock or, say, 3.30. Right. We get out of school at, say, 3.15. It took exactly like 17 minutes to get home. So if I didn't book it, I was going to miss the intro. And if I missed the intro, yeah, life, my life was, was incomplete. Right. So even though I just did it the day before. So I would run home and, and I could turn the key fast enough. And I was always the last one to also leave the house. So I would leave the TV on the channel. There's Miles. So I had to do the, do the beginning. So I mean, I mean, what an insane week. Because again, like I said, He-Man and Masters of the Universe was the center of my universe. Uh, now, Well, you were nine, so. Right. I mean, I could remember Gadget. I remember He-Man. But more, I remember those albums that week. Right, right. I was 15. You were 15. But 14, I was 15. kind of <clears throat> getting a little bit of both at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as much as He-Man was the center of my universe, if you can still believe it, that first week of September, which brings us to our special guest this week, the great Larry Hama. If you can believe it, also now on September 12th, 1983, the G.I. Joe cartoon debuted no way. in syndication. Okay. Now, there was. And so now I had just. I had, I had just been introduced to the comic book, okay? Uh, there was an older kid, like I said, I talking about, it's not really much of a stretch. There was an older kid who lived right above us, and he was about 13, 14, and again, I was still only nine. And uh, he had, he was like a rich kid, and he was kind of in transit. You He's know a I mean? rich kid. Yeah, had all the, had all the G.I. Joes <laughs> that I didn't have. Anyway, but he turned me on to the comic book, and that's how I started, you know, so I started collecting comic books in 83. You understand, right? Mm -hmm. So I was, and then now there was the toy line. Right. Now, there is a cartoon. And I can remember that, if you guys remember this, there was a thing called the Mass Device. And it was a, basically a movie. It's a fight that they did in five parts. Instead of doing like a 90-minute like movie, they just broke it down into five parts, five episodes for the school week, right? Nice. And they had promoted this for, gosh, all summer long. That when we ran home from school September 13th, 1983, to watch this, again, obviously it changed my life. I have Larry Hama, the creator, not of the cartoon, but of the characters in the, in the comic book that, that lend itself to the, to the, to the cartoon. Uh, but my memories are still, you know, just as sound, are tattooed on my body. I have a box of comics that I bought from 83 that I will be passing that I'm, I've saved for my son Miles that is sitting right next to us. Nice, nice catch there, by the way, my friend. That's right. Um, anyway, so that I think that's a great wind up to introduce none other. Welcoming back to Tricky Kid Radio, none other than the creator of the GI Joe nice. comics universe. All that came from one guy, if you can believe it. All those characters. Genius. Please welcome Larry Hama. 
Thank you for doing this. Uh, again, we're at the DFW uh, GI Joe show here in Grapevine, Texas. My man Larry Hama, right here next to me. Um, you know, we did this a few, uh, you know, back in January, and this is going to be a great follow-up. And we thank everybody for watching and and enjoying it. Uh, Larry, you know, the one thing that the fans talked about in the last interview uh, that we did was. They wanted to know more about you continuing with issue 156 with IDW. Now, we talked about it, but they kind of want to know more about the minutia of it. Like, where were you? Where were you when you got the call? How were you feeling? Talk a little bit about that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's Larry I right mean, there. Um, I have no memory of it at all. Uh, they, they called me and said if i wanted to do it and i said okay and but were you were you were you surprised by it at all i mean i mean was there did you talk it over with your family or i mean about was there any was there any decision process making there or was it an automatic yes um yeah i don't discuss uh, my business stuff with the family well right right they don't discuss their business stuff with me <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just did. You feel like it was going to be uh, like you know, kind of like this is going to be a next chapter of my life. And revisiting that stuff, was there any trepidation there at all? No, it's just like going home, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you know, like how like with music and bands and stuff, people want like old members to be playing in the band. Or like, look, that was back in the past. They don't want to revisit it. Was there was there anything that you were worried about in terms of the legacy of the original run? Was there any fears there or anything? No, because um, I don't put up with that. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you hear that? If they, uh, if they want me to do something I don't want to do, I I just quit. That's right. You know, um, they try to make, if they try to direct me in any way, I quit. If they, you know... Um, I don't take art direction well. I don't take any sort of direction well. That's um, even when I do sketches. You know, if people ask for a character, I, I just I draw the character. They start right. saying, "Well, I want him to be holding this and standing this way," and blah blah blah. I say, "Well, that's a commission, and that's five hundred dollars right right after that." Um, that that pretty much discourages them. <laughs> <laughs> as, we, as we saw a little bit earlier, right? <laughs> yeah, That's um, awesome. you know. Um, but you do. Why should I aggravate myself? That's right. Know? That's right. I mean, I uh, I'd just rather go drive a truck, basically. You know. Well, I've always have taken inspiration from you because I'm the same way. I'm I'm kind of my own person. I'm doing my own thing, and so for for when you're a reader of GI Joe, uh, for as long as I have, that kind of rebel punk spirit really comes through with that. Um, one of the things that the people really enjoyed last time that we talked about was a lot of non-Joe stuff. Uh, if you're not familiar, Larry's an old old punk from the village, uh, from 1970s uh, Bowery punk era. Uh, one thing that's been on everybody's kind of mind right now, and maybe yours as well, is pro is the new, the really sad news that we got last week when we heard about what happened with Anthony Bourdain. I was wanting to know: Did you ever have any interactions with 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 Tony, or or did you ever meet him, or? No, but um, uh, a real a good old friend who was uh, who, who who played drums um, 
on a bunch of our uh, demos and we shared uh, studio space with, uh, with this guy and he was a high school buddy of Anthony Bourdain's you know um, his name is Jeff Formosa and um, you know he, he just posted a whole bunch of uh, photo booth uh, strips you know that uh, uh, of him and, and uh, uh, Tony Bourdain at Palisades Park in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, it must have been from the, the 70s or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe even earlier because it, I think they tore the place down in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they were, they were pretty tight. And uh, Jeff was pretty pretty dumbfounded yeah yeah for sure and and even us because i have some friends that 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 knew tony very well as well my friend dave catching who um Mm -hmm. plays in the band eagles of death metal um when tony and them came out to uh where dave lives a place called rancho de la luna Mm -hmm. outside of the high desert uh they did an episode uh of i believe it was of parts unknown there Mm -hmm. uh and if you hear the the theme song to parts unknown that's that's those guys. It's Mark Lanigan and right. my buddy Dave Catching and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I personally didn't know Tony, but I know, like I said, I have some friends that are just, but mm-hmm. we, even without knowing him, it just, I feel like we're all kind of dumbfounded. How, how did it affect you at all? Well, I didn't know the guy. Right, right. <laughs> I, I mean, but just kind of, <laughs> right. I'm just being like, in, in a, in, from, from, a, from, from a distance, I mean, I'm sure you were aware, were, were you a fan? Did you watch the show at all? Or? Yeah, I've watched the show. I, I think he was... Um, um, you, know, you you just—it's impossible to know every somebody else's demons. That's right. That's know? right. So um, that's what it, it really shows you, doesn't it? You don't really know anybody, you know. No, what well, you can't, and you can't really understand people's pain. You know? Yeah. So yeah, um, for sure. You know, who knows? Right. Right. I just, uh, I just, you know, it was just one of those last. You know, you you come from that same bolt of cloth, that rebellious spirit there, and you know, and to see that. Somebody kind of lost their their battle with with those demons is that's kind of what I mean is it in terms of relating to to, uh, to you know to having that kind of sense of loss. But uh, anyway, I um, yeah, it's been a, it, was a, it was a bad week. You know, yeah. uh, Kate Spade. Yeah, too, you know? yeah. Uh, now uh, in your in of course you know you we were talking earlier. Um, did you have any relation? Uh, and I, and I'll cut this out because we were talking about you know a family member of yours earlier. But uh, did she know Kate or work with her or anything no. like that? Whatever. Okay. Um, there was an epi- There was a you know. It's funny. I'm so far behind on the. I'm trying to play catch up. I wanted to, t- to have you take a look at this, and I'll, I'll show it to uh, the camera as well. I was really struck to show you how far behind I am, guys. I have all the is- issues, but I'm still only on like 193. <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. So I'm at 192. And uh, and one ninety three. Now, if you look very closely right here, you can see it's a picture of a disheveled uh, pit. When I read these, and I just read these last week, Larry, um, I got to tell you, it was probably my. It's so far easily my favorite issues, and I know there's a lot of crazy stuff that's coming, but um, that I've read so far of the second act here, it really felt like nineteen, like that run that you did in the in the around like the 30s of the original Joe series. Them, Scarlet and Snake Eyes going on vacation and kind of getting back to this look and this feel. Talk a little bit about that. Do you remember writing this? Do you remember what your mindset was? This was about five years ago. 
I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I, truthfully, I, I, I don't read uh, my stuff after I've done it. Right. Well, yeah. You know, so um, <laughs> that's why everything with me is uh, retcon. Um, I think that if you sit around and just keep reading your own stuff, you get you get kind of weird. Yeah. You know. Um, so I'm I'm just always looking forward, not not, uh, not looking back. Well, you know? well, yeah. But that, that was what was cool, though. Is that w- once it leaves my word processor, I don't look at it again. You right. Know? You know, when they send me the copies, I don't read them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like that you're always moving forward, and I don't think you've ever really repeated yourself. I don't really think that this was kind of like a retro thing, but there was something about it that did kind of give me that same feeling. I don't know if it was the art, or it just seemed like a less combat-based story and seemed like more of a human story, which was always kind of, you know, there's there's there's, a, there's so much heart to what you do, and I think that, that the appeal of this comic isn't just, you know, guns and Cobra, and there's a, there's a lot of soul in this. And it seemed to be these these two issues, especially for me, seem to have that. So I wanted. So in terms of continuity, though, talk a little bit about that. Even though once it leaves your word processor, you move on. But is there some kind of trick or something that you do? I knew that, like a lot of people might know this, that the file cards that you see on the back of the the toys were just his way of keeping keeping it all together, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do now with the comics? What do you mean in terms of continuity? I don't think in terms of continuity. I, I write everything page by page. Okay. I, I don't know what's on page three till I get to page two. So It kind of reveals itself, right? Yeah. Okay. Is there... I love also that you base... And nobody can write this book but you because they're all based on people that you know. So... I, I, I love the idea of, is, has there ever been like a family member or a friend recently that may have read it or whatever and recognized themselves in it? Oh, no. Most of the people know that they're, that they're in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a big secret. Okay. Okay. But, uh, I mean, it's not like you're like smearing some ex-girlfriend or anything. No, no. <laughs> Uh, you know, in terms of music and stuff, uh, what what are you listening to right now? Is there anything newer that's inspiring you right now that you're listening to? Um, I sort of like uh, Lake Street Dive and uh, Beth Hart. Oh, nice, and, nice, good, uh, good, yeah. Uh, the more current stuff, and um, even Nico Case, I like her. Oh, good, good, good. Um, have you ever seen her perform live? No. You should. You should. I've, ne- I've never. I, you know, I really don't go to concerts much. Um, um, I think the last live act I saw was the Grateful Dead. Oh, <laughs> and, I, and I only went because my 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 deadhead dentist uh, insisted that I go with him because <laughs> he had two tickets, and his wife uh, refused to refused to go. So. So you 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 have seen live music since the the, the mid nineties, Larry. I know. Surely you've like what what part of Manhattan do you live in? Do you live in the Upper West Side or I live in Tribeca, but Tribeca, I, I really right. don't haven't been to a lot of live music. You know. Yeah, really. There is, uh, of course, obviously you know the the, the, the bustling scene there at uh, at our friends over here are going to 
going to get a little loud on us, so we should probably go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Larry, I wanted to ask you one last question here, and hopefully you guys can, can hear us here. Um, moving forward with G.I. Joe, like I said, you're always constantly moving forward with it. I got to feel like that there's something left that you're, you know, that, that only you know, and I won't have you reveal it here, but is there this kind of coup de gras that you're planning in terms of uh, the, the comic and the characters of how you would eventually want to see them have a lasting legacy is there, you, you know what I'm saying is there like you said is it really it doesn't reveal itself until later it really it really is like that no I don't I don't know what's what's coming and I think that I think that's the best <laughs> all you know is that it is coming and it's going to be awesome because because uh, Larry's at the helm you're, you're the only one that can write this book man these are, these are your characters well everybody else thinks they can <laughs> I mean that's uh, but they don't know these people. I That's mean, right. the, 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 they don't. They think it's you know, oh, you know, military action and strategy right. and all that stuff, and has nothing to do with it. It's it's all about the characters. That's right. That's right. You know, and um, all the characters are, are my friends. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's what I was saying. Like, how how could somebody else? They think, oh, I could step in there, and I was in the military, and I can do, like no. This this is Larry and his friends. And that's why it has so so much heart. But I think it's also why. Why do you think it seems so personal? This will be my last question. You know, you're you have such a great relationship with your fans, and I see the people that have been coming up to your table all weekend long, and they're just you command this this amount of respect. Don't you think that it's not because of the guns or, like you said, the military thing? What do you think is the, the, the main thing that has touched people with this book for as long as it has? Well, the main theme has, has always been um, loyalty, you know, um, and um, personal loyalty. Yeah. You know, which is what, you know, makes... Um, uh, that's what makes the military tick, you know. Uh, nobody, nobody throws themselves on a grenade for flag and country. Yeah. You know, people throw themselves on grenades for the the four other guys in your fire team. Right. You know, or the the ten guys in your squad. Yeah. You know, uh, that's how personal it is. Yeah. It's it's um. Uh, it's very compelling, and. Um, Unless you understand that, it's it's very difficult to um, to write about it this way. Yeah, you know? and and, in, and once you get a concept of that, whatever it's uh, uh, it's it's well, see, you know, the, the thing is, like in the you know, with with kids, you know, a ten year old kid who was who was buying the book in back in the eighties, right. you know, uh, kids know that. Uh, uh, you know that they, <laughs> that betrayal is always there. You know, they, they've been betrayed. If you're ten years old, you've been betrayed. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> you've been bullied. You've been dumped right. on. You know, and the the concept of this in- interpersonal loyalty within this tight group of, of of people who were you know really tight. Yeah, yeah. Is is a compelling. An important fantasy. Yes, it's that's the core of the fantasy that makes uh, Harry Potter work. 
you know. Um, That's an interesting contrast. Know, it's yeah. not. It's not anything about you know magic. Right. Right. You know, right. It's right. about. It's about that school and those. That's those, right. Uh, those other kids and and um, you know you could have watched all the, the movies and read all the books and you can't tell me a single plot. You know, but if I said, well, you know, tell me about. Hermione, you know, you could. Oh, yeah, you could right. You could write a whole psychological profile. You know? <laughs> right. But, but you can't tell me what what the plot of Goblet of Fire was. Right, but you remember the characters. Right. Yeah, and you yeah. remember the relationships. Right. That's, that's right. And that's what it's about. You know, um, the, the plot is simply a, a simple framework upon which you hang interesting characters, and the characters are what you keep coming back for. So... And we'll keep coming back for more and more and more because these are some of, these are the best characters that have been in my life since, since I was that ten year old in the eighties. Larry, I thank you so much okay. again. It's always a pleasure to see you. Uh, get back. Uh, I know you're flying out today. Do you have a preference? Do you fly into Laguardia, Newark, or, or JFK? I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Thanks for watching. Okay. Folks, this is Chet Garner, host of The Day Tripper. You're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with host Roy Turner. Thanks so much to uh, my man Larry Hama. What an what a amazing thing to have him on our show uh, more than once now. And we'll have him again. Uh, it's coming February. He'll be back in Dallas, and uh, we'll be sitting down for a part three of our series with Larry Hama. And we thank you guys again so much for listening. And again, once again, thanks to Larry. Uh, before we get back um, uh, with Chaz, and then also we're going to bring in Theo and Catalina talking about tech savvy tutors. Uh, there's one thing we haven't addressed about 1983 was the sports. Uh, some amazing sporting events took place <clears throat> for me personally. Now, for the sake of what we're talking about here, professional wrestling, we're going to have to consider it to be a sport just because no sense separating it what we're talking about, because some of my memories of 1983, first and foremost, would have to be in uh, in October uh, of that year. We, we talked about the, the amazing September of 83, especially that first week. Uh, but in October, my beloved Philadelphia Phillies won the pennant. Uh, of course, everybody remembers, of course, them winning it all in 1980. In 1983, my man Mike Schmidt... Uh, with a team that concluded Pete Rose and Joe Morgan um, and, gosh, Steve Carlton, this, they had it all, uh, once again won the pennant in 1983. They're going crazy here at Veterans Stadium. Struck him out! Phillies have won it, and now it's Schmidt's turn as Howland dies on Mike Schmidt. Paul Owens coming out. The Phillies have won the National League pennant. The final score is 7-2. As the Phillies are the 1983 National League champs, winning a 3 out of 4 over the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's the Pope. 
Oh, what a happy man he is. He saw the Phillies win the world championship in 80 from upstairs as general manager. Now the Pope downstairs in uniform has his team in the World Series in 83 against the Baltimore Orioles. The Phillies clubhouse, Pete Rose, another outstanding LCS. There's the Sarge. He'll be the MVP of the league championship series. He had three home runs and a disconsolate Pedro Guerrero and the rest of the Dodgers looking on as the Phillies have won the 1983 National League pennant, taking the Dodgers three out of four. Phillies streaming into the clubhouse. We'll have that locker room celebration for you. John Denny, Tony Perez, Michael Jack coming in. Sixto Lescano. There go the, there go the champagne corks. One of my absolute favorite moments uh, as a kid, uh, remembering that. Of course, I actually saw them win it all in 1980. Uh, not in person, but uh, uh, that was my first introduction to baseball. So I've been a lifelong Philadelphia Phillies fan. I grew up in Arkansas, where we actually didn't have a major league team. And uh, moved to Texas uh, at age 13. And, of course, rooting for the Rangers ever since. But uh, we'll always have that Phillies love. Uh, unfortunately, they went on to lose the World Series that year, but uh, impossible to be angry uh, about that series as well because, gosh, the team they lost to was the Baltimore Orioles that featured one of the greatest players of all time, which is probably my favorite non-Philly player of all time, of course, being Cal Ripken Jr., uh, the incomparable Eddie Murray, just such a great team. So just great memories of seeing these guys uh, at, that, at that time in my life. I was only nine years old again. And, these guys were like gods to me. And, um, when people always ask me, like, what's the celebrity that you've ever felt starstruck uh, about uh, meeting? And it was, uh, they're always disappointed. They always want to hear that it was like some big music star or some big pop star. But it will always be when I met Cal Ripken Jr. when uh, the Super Bowl was in Dallas in 2011, I believe. And um, I, had, I had a brief run in with, with Cal and uh, man, I was <laughs> nervous to say the least. Uh, another one that we're talking about professional wrestling was was that uh, was Starcade, the very first Starcade, which used to happen on Thanksgiving night. Uh, it happened in 1983, of course, which is what we're talking about here. This is not only one of my favorite memories, but this was one of the biggest events uh, in AIDS wrestling, and perhaps one of the biggest ever. Um, of course, 85 was the first WrestleMania. And which was on closed circuit television. And, and, you know, Vince McMahon, of course, is kind of somebody who uh, kind of promotes the idea that he invented pay-per-view and was kind of the first to do it. But um, actually back in 83, <clears throat> it was, again, Starcade with the Jim Crockett promotion, which was called the NWA at the time. And they would, again, do this thing on, on Thanksgiving night called Starcade. And Starcade 83 was the very first one. It was at the Richmond Coliseum there in Richmond, Virginia. And the, uh, let me see here. There was, like, all the stuff. If you grew up reading what they call the aftermags, like the Bill After was a part of, and uh, and Stu Sachs, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you will always have that ingrained vision of the main event, which, of course, which was Harley Race, who was the champion at the time, uh, versus Ric Flair. And Ric Flair winning it all, which really made Ric Flair a star. 
the whole event was called a flair for the gold and really uh, just kind of ingrained him in that part of the country and in the minds of wrestling fans. Uh, one underrated thing, kind of like at WrestleMania 3 where you've got Hogan versus Andre, but who stole the show was, of course, with Steamboat and Savage. Well, kind of the same thing here. Early on, there was a very, very brutally savage match between Greg the Hammer Valentine and Rowdy Roddy Piper in this dog collar match, which was showed some real blood and some real heat and just some real action there. But um, those are two great, great memories that I have. Uh, so many great sports memories uh, just that, that year alone. But And, of course, the music. Uh, we were talking all about Duran Duran, of course. Who doesn't? Who, who could ever forget? Um, uh, I always forget. That, actually, I can forget. It's like Seven Raging Tiger or something like that. Um, let me see here. What was, What is the name of that? That's right. Seven and the Ragged Tiger, uh, which actually came out just three days prior to the Starcade event. So another great week. You had Starcade 83 and then you had Duran Duran's uh, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which, of course, spawned Union of the Snake, which is... Uh, probably my favorite Duran Duran song, New Moon on Monday, The Reflex, which just dominated MTV uh, that following year. So great, 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 great memories. Like I said, so much happened in 1983. I'm going to bring in, um, uh, again, Theo Garza and Catalina Rehnquist here. And uh, can talk to you a little bit about, about tech savviness and also style. But before we do that... Um, Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Catalina, what, uh, what, what, which buckle location are you at? I am located at Stonebriar in Frisco, Texas. And that's actually where we're emitting from right here. So, that's, so I can just go right down the road here. And, yeah, you know, and, and, go and, right and, ahead. <laughs> and kind of like raise my game up a little bit, yeah. right? Okay, okay. <laughs> Would you say that I'm in need of raising my game? Um, I think you have a nice classic style. So, I mean, I could touch up a little bit here and there, but for the most part, you're pretty good. All right, all right, all right. So <laughs> nice. we're going to go over what, what, what maybe we're going to do a full... So those of you that are listening, you can kind of go, oh, man, cool. I don't have to embarrass myself the way he did and just kind of piggyback off the tips you give me. Yeah. We were talking about before, you said classic, which means old, right? No. It means, it's another way. It's just a nice way of saying bullshit, right? Yeah. 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 My, oh, you agree with that idea? No. To my right here is a fellow DJ. His name is Theo Garza. Theo, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Theo is the man. Uh, Theo has a great uh, business here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Tech Savvy Tutors, and he wants to teach you to become a pro at APPS, social media sites, cell phones, all of that. Give Theo a call at 214-769-1194. That's 214-769-1194. You also can email Theo at techsavvytutors at gmail.com. And he's on Facebook under Tech Savvy Tutors. We'll have links to all this on our website at trickykid.com, which of course is tricky-kid.com. And you also will see links to it on also our social media websites, which you know what? I should totally have you come in. Not only am I going to get my personal <laughs> style, but maybe my online presence. 
presence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do tell people, though, we're not a social media management company. That's what I think some people may see that and think. And the APPS is apps. So in case in right. case you see that, it is just simple apps knowing how to use the ins and outs of different ones. Oh, I thought I was being funny. I mean, I know it's... Oh, you got it? Okay, okay. making sure. <laughs> I was like... I'm sorry, the old guy in the track suit. You ran over it twice. Was... <laughs> I was like, no way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of okay. course I know it's apps. All right, all right. <laughs> just making sure. I thought that was funny. Okay, so... All right. Yeah. All right. I was like, so it is all caps. So I might want to change that up on the business card, but... <laughs> well, it is... It, 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 so that was kind of my way of kind of making fun of that. Gotcha. So. Okay. I gotcha. Or like when Sharon Osbourne introduced uh, P.O.D. at some award show and she called them Pod. No way. Yeah, and Kelly Osbourne, her mom, or her daughter was right next to her and she goes... Starts laughing. She goes, "What?" He goes, "Dang, it's pod." She goes, it, uh, "It's pod." <laughs> so I was not having a Sharon Osbourne moment, but the point yeah. is, yeah. I'm going to get my look all changed yes. up. And our social media presence is pretty awesome, but uh, I think it's always room for improvement. So I'm going to get a good makeover here. So tell that, us about what you do, Theo, and how good. the hell that works. At Tech Savvy Tutors, it's exactly what it sounds like. We're tutors who. Tutor you how to be tech savvy, whether it's uh, iOS or Android, Mac or PC. We're fluid in both. And when I say we, it is just me as of now and Catalina you know, helping me out every now and then when <laughs> yeah. she can. But it's uh, I've been raised in the era where you didn't really have to choose between you know Mac or PC at the time. We've kind of been in both. The right. whole entire, at school, it was always Dells and computers. At home, I got myself a MacBook and learning how to do both, really. And um, everything, it's, it's still new stuff every single yeah, iOS update or PC update, Windows update. It's always new stuff. You got to figure out new troubleshooting. So it's just learning how to use it for anybody who's going back to school, anybody who has a grandparent or someone who's uh, not tech savvy, just needs to learn simple stuff. Call a tech savvy tutor. Well, now, not only that, but also, isn't it great that you've got like this like gorgeous girlfriend next to you here <laughs> who's got this style? So whenever you're trying to do the aesthetic of yep. this. Is yeah. that and of course I mean I'm not saying that your your only style maybe you're just as tech savvy as he is, but it could be. But would you say that the Catalina that your your eye for the aesthetic is what you bring to the table here? I mean, yeah, I pretty much say that. She chimes in big time. Yeah, I get her opinion. I value her opinion big time. There was a a big thing I wanted to do with the little our little uh, bison here, a buffalo, oh. Mr. Tonka is his name. I wanted to do like uh, seasonal versions of him, which we do have and yeah. going on right now. We have a little uh, version of him wearing a little Santa Claus hat now. And, for Christmas. Like, yeah, for Christmas. Nice, And nice. sucking on a candy cane. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So I, she helped me out with that mm-hmm. and we sent it to our person who does all those designs and she's cranking them out now. So That's outstanding. <laughs> yeah. well, I love Christmas and I love the holidays and mm-hmm. I love your mascot, Mr. Tonka. Is that Tonka, yeah, Tonka. We got that from uh, uh, Dances with Wolves. Okay. Mm-hmm. So whenever they're saying uh, Tonka, well, it's actually called a Katonka. Was I don't even know what he's on Metro or something, but whatever it is, he just got he got forced to get a touchscreen phone, and he's never had one before. He's seventy five, I think, and um, that's one example of someone who doesn't know cell phones smartphones mainly not really cell phones he's always had himself a little flip phone or just a touch touch one right and now that he has fully android he ain't used to a touch screen at all smartphone he he's been calling me how does how do i set up this it's not like the other one so
thanks again so much to uh, Theo Garza and uh, Catalina Request. Getting us all tech savvy and getting us all getting our style going, especially for this, this holiday season. Uh, and speaking of holiday season, because it is December, uh, the song of the week we're going to do is actually from 1983. We thought that would be, of course, appropriate and also being the holiday seasons. I want to bring you one of my favorites uh, is from Amy Grant. Uh, very fortunate last year, uh, my wife, uh, Jocelyn, uh, who actually performs with Amy Grant every year when she comes through through Dallas to do her annual Christmas show. This year, Amy stayed in Nashville, so we wanted to uh, wish her a very Merry Christmas as well. This is from her very, very first uh, Christmas album, which is just simply called uh, uh, A Christmas Album. <laughs> it came out also that same incredible week in the first or the month of September, September 27th, 1983, of course, Amy went on to have many, many more uh, Christmas uh, albums that were great. And, I, and her version of Jingle Bell Rock is my favorite version of that. It may be my favorite Christmas song. But we're going to play for you uh, uh, one that you may not hear too much. It's one of my favorites. It's called A Mighty Fortress, Angels We've Heard on High uh, from Amy Grant. And we'll be right back with more 1983. We want to wish everybody a very, very, very Merry Christmas.
Okay, so, all right, whenever you're ready. Okay, well, this is Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio. And you better be tuning in, or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> that's mind-blowing. Right. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That, uh that's... Larry is such a genius, and again, and, and you know, holy cow! I mean, he's his work and his art has been my life, my whole life, and to have him on the show now twice—that's that's huge. It's huge for me, yeah. you know. And for Miles, who you're hearing right here. Yeah, Miles is part of the show. One, one other thing, and it's mentioned. You know, we've c- covered so much of like stuff that you know that a, that would be great for a nine-year-old, and maybe some stuff that I also consumed that probably wasn't so great for a nine-year-old. Uh, <laughs> but not one, bad for a fifteen-year-old, maybe. But, right, and one of those things. Uh, that is unthinkable to think is that we're talking about the September 83 just a month prior or actually not a, pr- a month prior we're talking about September 1st on the day before that August 30th 1983 Eddie Murphy's Delirious you know I was going to say something the world. Yeah. but I didn't I, I kind of held it in but when you when we're talking about G.I. Joe the thing that I remember about G.I. Joe and from my childhood is the Eddie Murphy joke about having G.I. Joe in the bathtub. Yeah. And of course, he was talking about, of course, the 70s G.I. Because G.I. Joe, of course, started out in the early 70s, at least right. the early 70s, as one guy being a branch of the military. It wasn't until it was re- re- resurrected by uh, Hasbro for a toy line and a comic book thing that Larry Hammer created all these characters for. Right, so, right, right. But the G.I. Joe. Yeah, in the bathtub, right, of course. <laughs> and it comes from that, that special. I love it. So that in one week, again, Eddie Murphy Delirious, Inspector Gadget, He-Man, Kiss, Shout at the Devil. Like it goes, what a week. Yeah, of just of one year, right? But now we're going to get into, again, we could get into more of the toys. We could get into the Saturday morning cartoon thing. So much more music. Again, Metallica's Kill Em All, all that stuff. Uh, but I can't more. really talk about it because I didn't hear Kill Em All until later. But the movies are about to blow your mind, okay? Yeah, let's hear this. So I guess I would have to say since it is December... And it is Christmas time. The most prominent film that we still probably watch every single year that came out in 1983 is, of course, A Christmas Story with Ralphie. That was 83? It came out in 83. No, it, it really? Was. It, I thought it came out in the 70s. Or... No, it, was, it was set in the 40s, of course, but it came out in 1983. Oh, it's classic. Classic, right? Classic. I mean, and we could do an entire episode just on National Lampoon's Vacation, right? Oh, okay, right, okay. Oh, greatness! But if I were to do an entire episode on a movie from '83, besides all these great films, it would have to be Valley Girl. Valley Girl. Valley Girl also Blast from the past. Valley Girl also came out in 1983. I'm, I'm telling you, this is still one of my favorite movies. To See, this my day. hormones in 83 were really starting to take off. Because I remember I'm 15, you're 9. So you're little, not, you're, your hormones are still like, your testosterone levels are low. But mine are starting to reach, you know. Weapons grade. Like, weapons grade, right? <laughs> Mass device. You know, right? <laughs> So Valley Girl, you, you want to have your mass device in full operational mode there. That's right. right. I'm ready to go to war. Almost <laughs> right. So well, Valley Girl, man, I can't believe it. I totally forgot about that movie. And not to mention, but that was probably one of the first times I ever saw nudity 
You know oh. what I mean? There's not really too much nudity in that. Is there any nudity in that? Wait, wait. I think there might be some topless. Implied-ness. Okay. But, but, but a lot of sexual innuendo. But, yes, I, absolutely. I, I can remember clearly thinking. And, and girls. I mean, valley girls. I yeah. mean, come on. They're, that's like, that was when the whole like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. You know. But to this day, valley girl hits me in, in the same. In the groin. Such a profound. <laughs> And a great soundtrack. You know what it was? Like Sparks is on there. Like Eaten really? by the Monster of Love and Don't Let It Get Me Ah. You know. And of course, the film uh, put modern English's I, I Melt With You. I'll Stop the World and Melt With You. Huge song. But not only that, but just there's something about that that just kind of like I have this whole thing where I told my wife like, like to know anything about me is to know that I want my entire life to somehow be like how it is like at a prom in the 80s or how it was portrayed in the movies in the 80s. Mall culture yeah, and prom culture right, right, from right. the early 80s. So every move that I make in my life is somehow to try, like the way I kiss her, the things I buy her, the dates that I plan, everything that I do. And she's like, why are we doing this? I'm gonna go, because this is what would have happened in Valley Girl. Or this would have happened. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I live for that. I get it. And, of course, my favorite childhood would have to be my favorite childhood memory. I mean, uh, of course, you know, we had E.T. the year before and all that sort of thing. I was E.T. for, like, Halloween for, like, four years. Oh, Back when you would get those little masks that you couldn't see through or breathe, and it was probably inhaling some bad things at, like, Agent Orange. Now we all have cancer because of it. Right. But back in an innocent time, my mother took me to see Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. And you could argue all day long what's the best Star Wars movie. And for me, I, I, I can no longer be objective because I, it, you know, if well, you I were can. nine in 83, <laughs> I'd already, the, the wind-up, the collector's glasses, sure, and Burger sure. King. So no matter, no, nothing's good. That was Empire my, was better, but... You know, as an adult, but the anticipation because Empire Strikes Back was so good, it was so good. It was better than the first one. The first one was great, right? Right. A New Hope is what they call it now, but back then it was just Star Wars, right? And Empire was so good. It's the best one out of all of them. It's probably the best one, and I agree with that. But but in terms of but my the memories, my, my memories. Yeah, I get it. I get it. With Return of the Jedi, I get it. Because again, I'm 15, you're nine, right? So I actually saw Star Wars in the theater, and I was probably nine about that when I saw it in the theater. Empire was huge, and but the, the but what, what what made Return of the Jedi is the buildup, you know, because Star Wars was so huge, Empire was so good. And then Return of the Jedi, like everybody was anticipating it because this was like the third installment. So like everybody's gearing up and everyone's like, and, and the hype and the, and it's just. It, this is the end of the story too. It's, yeah, it's huge. Return yeah, of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. yeah I but also I grew up so poor. So going to the movies was such an event for us. And oh, this was, totally. Totally. And this was like a, you know, such a special thing to do. And me and my mom, we still talk about that day. I remember it very, very well. Nice. Uh, to end 1983 on a film that we still watch and talk about, which is probably my favorite movie of all time. Not very original, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I can, let me build it up here, and I can now tell you something. Is that in December 9th, almost a few days removed, that 1983 ended, started with Pyromania, nice. ended with the movie Scarface with Al Pacino. Nice. Wow. 83? 83, my friend. Wait a minute. Really? That's correct. December 9th. 
Now, I may not have seen the movie in 83. But Say it, hello to my little friend. Everybody knows it. The minute, the minute you, you, I mean, you, all you, have, you don't even have to even say, finish the line. They know what you're talking about, right? Well, now. Probably the greatest gangster drug movie ever. And, and, and it's so, Ever. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's scary. It's sexy. Right. It's unbelievably violent. I heard, to you millennials who know who Blink-182 is, apparently they got the name Blink-182 because he says the F word 182 times really? in, in I that had movie. Nah. So the influence, and of course the hip-hop culture. Oh, yeah. They were trying to petition to have the movie remade with like a hip-hop soundtrack. And Brian De Palma said flat out, no. Now, I'm a massive hip-hop fan. And I love hip hop, but don't mess with that movie. It's perfect. It's, yeah, it is, no, no, few I get things it. are more perfect than that. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But I mean, what a great movie! But again, I didn't see it in '83. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't see Scarface. Oh man, for years after that, because I mean, there was like that's that's a serious movie. That was a grown up movie. Well, enough to mention. And here was here was the memory I was gonna share about that. Miles wants to see it right now. <laughs> The uh, the uh, the thing that I, I I remember it was that I did see Delirious in eighty two in eighty three definitely when I shouldn't have it on HBO special I right we, I think we all did we all kind of snuck it or yeah. or we kind of got allowed to watch that for whatever reason why yeah and then I remember because I was a massive fan of the Honeymooners and so when he does the joke about uh, Jackie Gleason when he goes not my friend. How would you like to, yeah. of course, right? Right, right. But now, I, but here's the deal. I can't say that I saw Scarface in 83, but I did see it in 84. And this was the memory I was going to share. I am so old now that I can remember a time when there wasn't video stores. Video stores were a thing that came and went, but they were around for a long time. Like okay? VHS tapes, right? Right, but, right. The, but the ability to rent them. Like, there was a thing called a, a chain called Blockbuster Video, yeah. and you would go and rent it. Right. You younger people have at least heard about this. Well, anyway, well this was <laughs> this was before Old. Blockbuster even came out. Right. It was kind of a mom-and-pop thing. And I can remember, first of all, the movie Scarface is so long that when you would rent it, it would come in two tapes. Nice. Because it was, it was almost, it's almost four hours It was like a long. Godfather almost right. kind of a deal. Right, right, right exactly. Right, right. Well, I can remember this, the system they had. This was a mom and pop place, and I was an intelligent child. And now I'm now like ten, closer to eleven, and I would get like seventy five cents for lunch, and I would save, I would keep it. Seventy five cents. Well, yeah, that, that's all lunch was, you know. Golly. And I might have been on the because I was, I was, we were so poor. And now it's like seven dollars and fifty cents. It might have been like a buck fifty then, but I had like the reduced thing going on. Nice. Anyway, no, it was not. I was bullied and, and, and punished. We don't have to tell anybody, right? It's supposed well, to be a secret. Somehow those those bullies find that shit out, don't they? Damn it. Uh, anyway, so I would after school there was this mom and pop place around the corner from our apartment, and you would you know those little I had you see these, these little discs that you could write on and you could you could like take like a nail and a hammer and you could slide the the little. Like a, like a little metal on it, right? So this is how you knew if the movie was in or not. You would just slide the little, kind of like a, like, a, like a name tag almost, like off the thing. I think I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Well, not, maybe not all of them employed this, but this particular one did. Okay. Mom and Pop plays before Blockbuster. Okay. And back when you're that age, you can watch the same thing a lot, right? Okay. And back then, we didn't even have, sometimes for a period, we didn't have a VCR. Remember how you guys could rent the VCR and it would come in that big, giant Right, thing. you took it home, like right. a, a carrying case. Right, right, right. And right, it was right. like a, middle, a little VCR, too, like a 
almost portable, but not really. No, yet. the ones we got were like massive. On, you put on your shoulder, <laughs> like a boombox. And my mom, bless her, I love her so much, and she was so like this was like tax time when she came home with a pizza and that big ass VCR. And a couple of tapes. Oh, oh my God! Like, like that was it's a party. It's a well, yeah, but it was just had some Pepsi. We were just so grateful, you know. Some Pepsi, Crystal Pepsi, or whatever. <laughs> hell that came out. New Coke, New Coke wasn't out yet, but oh uh, yeah, no Coke Zeros back then. At eighty-five, we'll get to that one. But um, <laughs> but the the, the the point of the story was that I would rent this movie like several times a week. Scarface. Scarface. In eighty-three or eighty-four. In eighty, in like. 84. That's what's going with you, dude. I know. So You were 10. Almost 11, okay? But here's the deal. The girl that would rent it to me never thought twice about renting this to it. I mean, keep on. Like, how am I getting it? I'm Don't you have to have, like... Right. It's, like, almost rated X, isn't it? Like, okay. It's an R with a lot of violence and and drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... See, the thing about the Eddie Murphy is, is yeah, it was blue and it was a comedian, but Eddie Murphy was likable. And so everyone kind of, he kind of almost got a pass. Right. But Scarface was drugs. Drugs and dirty. Hardcore drugs. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and kids weren't of, allowed to watch that. No, no. Not for four hours at least. I don't think I saw that in like years. I want to say 85, 86 maybe. Well, just to show you what an innocent time it was. So I, I can't even remember because the 80s. But remembers. I would come into the store. Like at least twice a week, and I would always would look for it, and I would run. I was obsessed with maybe not, but in such an innocent way. I wasn't watching it for because I was fascinated by the drugs, or the there really wasn't a lot of sex in the movie, or even the violence. There was just something about Al Pacino's character that I just I couldn't get enough of, and the only way to to see it was to rent it, right? <clears throat> and I rent it, and the girl that would run it for, for, would run it to me was probably like. 15 or 16, I guess she got out of school early or whatever. And one day, I guess the owner was there. Because it never even occurred to me, like, hey, are they going to rent this to me? Or, hey, maybe I got to... Like, like, I'm not kidding, Chaz. It never occurred to me. I just went up there, put it on the counter, and walked out with my movie. It's a 10-year-old, okay? Crazy. And one day, the owner was there and was like, well, first of all, we can't rent you any movies because, well, you know, you're 10. And number two... But you had been doing it for a year. But at that point, about six months for sure. And and so much so, so that like... And number two, we certainly can't rent you this movie. And then I, I guess I started to like get upset. And the girl goes like dad or uncle uncle joe whatever he's like he's like this kid comes in here he's like our best customer like he comes in here like at least twice a week and he rents that movie and he's like really and i was like yeah and he's like does his mom know and she goes does your mom know I go, oh yeah of course we watch it together she's like okay and God, that the was 80s it. man the 80s man you i mean do your parents know yeah okay it's cool done yeah <laughs> as long as your parents are cool with it well, to wrap 83, up, 83, 83, what a great year. What a fantastic year. So I had no was, idea, like, all of that. At one week in September, but the whole year, I mean, amazing. Started with Pyromania, ends with Scarface. There's no other year like it. And things that we're still talking about now, there's still... 35 s- years? Well, now, 30, 35. this is the 35th anniversary, so that's why I wanted to do it uh, for 83. Uh, there is still so much more, uh, we could, uh, we could do. Okay. So we're going to do a quick rapid fire. We, again, we want to thank our friend. We want to thank our guest, Larry Hama. Yes. The creator of GI Joe. Oh yes. Who has made my life so, so much better and and will make my son's life so much better. All the things I've saved for him. 
Uh, we want to thank Theo Garza. Man, he is the tech-savvy tutor. He makes technology made easier. Uh, give Theo a call at 214-769-1194. Uh, also, again, remember, you want to retweet this, you want to talk about it, you want to subscribe on Tricky Kid Radio, you go to iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio, subscribe, go to YouTube, type in Tricky Kid TV, do that twi- twice, it's free, send me a screenshot, I'm going to give you one year free at suicidegirls.com. I like it. Uh, and not to mention, we also want to thank Google, and we mentioned about Miles earlier, Infamil has been graciously been a sponsor of this show. Nice. And we're going to have an episode coming up with some new dads like me, and we're going to be talking about what it's like well, to I'm be a Well, I'm a dad. Father. I mean, I'm not a new dad. I've got like 16 kids. Would but. love to have you. Chaz, where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, I'm uh, a lot of social media outlets. You know, I sing in a band called Red Leather, and we've been doing it for about 18, here, 18 years in Dallas-Fort Worth. Believe it or not, 18 years. I can't believe it. But we do a lot of stuff from 83 I mean, how cool is that? We do the right. Def Lever, we do the Motley Crew, we do bands like that. Quite bon Jovi, right, right. Quite right. So uh, we're on um, social media. You just at Red Leather Rocks at Red Leather Rocks, but you can also follow hashtags now. So we're hashtag Red Leather Band. So either way, and of course, you know, if you find that, you're going to find me because you know I'm always posting up on that stuff. So you'll find my. My tags, and you can be a friend of mine. Be my friend, and be a friend of Chaz. He's awesome. The show rocks. Come check it out. You got some shows coming up. Oh yeah, always. We're playing all the time. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at Tricky Kid. The number two. That's Tricky Kid. And the number two. We're now also. I'm also on Instagram under DJ Tricky Kid. Yum, Come yum. on, man! I got a lot of appearance coming up. Go to trickykid.com. You'll be able to see all the links of what we're talking about here and all the appearances coming up. So I thought to end, we'll have a quick little fun little run here that you're not going to believe that still happened in 1983. Like a rapid fire on music. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. So Give I'm just going to say it, and you just have to react with one word. Okay, one word reaction. That's it. You're okay, ready? I'm ready for this. Here we go. Okay, your rhythmic sweet dreams are made of these. Can you freaking believe it? Okay. Annie Lennox, Mallory Manson. Okay. Nina's 99 Luft Balloons. Hot Red German balloons. girl. Okay. More okay. than one word, but I'm sorry. Okay. Brian Adams cut like a, cuts like a knife. You still hear those oh, singles? Summer every of 69. You still is that on there? Uh, uh, Maybe it, not. It, it, no, it is on there. It oh, is okay, on there. Okay, okay. And I know that it's weird how Journey has this new life with Don't Stop Believing, but they're, the album after that, had a lot of stuff. Separate ways, send her my love, faithfully, all from the album Frontiers. Frontiers, right? Came out in '83. Nice. And you want to talk about somebody, something that was made for MTV that shouldn't have been? Because one thing about MTV, it suddenly made dinosaurs of all these bands that were big in the '70s, except for one band that it should have been because they weren't really ready for their youthful prime time, and that was ZZ Top and ZZ Top's Eliminator. Legs. Yeah. Okay. You know, sharp dress man, legs, beards, the videos, hot the chicks, co- the, the video, the car, the, car. the eliminator, the, the eliminator car. Nice. I mean, you can't like that I mean, was all eighty three. That was eighty three, man. It's the best year of our lives. No, it really, it really is like insane. How and of course, probably the biggest record of that year was David Bowie's "Let's Dance," and the guitar player was Stevie Ray Vaughan. It was. From right here in DFW. Theory Ron played on it. Now Rogers, of course, pretty much wrote most From of it. Chic? Yeah, wrote most of it. Uh, I mean, think about it. China Girl, Let's Dance. Blue Jean. Uh, a, a, a landmark record. 
Uh, it might, that's his biggest record. Do you think it's his biggest record? It is. A lot of people don't, don't realize that, but he actually didn't sell a lot of records that would match. I mean, Ziggy his, Stardust was huge, but 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 in terms of sales wise, right? Sales wise, right? Uh, the debut album from Weird Al came out <laughs> in '84. <laughs> you would know that. You're of course, such a I dork. would. <laughs> uh, another but debut, funny. Another de- debut album that that he would not want you to know was actually the from the band Ministry, who actually are playing right now in Dallas, Texas, at the Gas Monkey. Is that tonight? Is tonight. But Ministry started out as kind of a new wave band we talked about, and they came out with an album called With Sympathy that Al Jurgensen will hurt you if you will mention in his presence. Wow. Uh, Did not know that. Of course. Talking Heads, Speaking in Tongues, Burning Down the House. Which was great. 1983, my friend. Elton John's Too Low for Zero with a I'm Still Standing After All This Time. Dang. That was the greatest year of music might be ever. No, it's insane. Uh, now, a lot of people, of course, when they think about Motorhead, they think, of course, about Ace of Spades. Sure. But Another Perfect Day is my favorite Motorhead record. Now, I didn't hear that until much later, but it came out in 83. I recommend the track Rocket. It's unbelievably awesome. Speaking of Texas <laughs> Ray Vaughan, of course, his Texas Flood came out that year. Dang. And if there is an album that would compete for the biggest record of 83 with David Bowie, which probably was the biggest record of 83, it has to be The Police's Synchronicity, my friend. Oh. Oh, man, yeah, that was huge. Yes. Every breath you take, freaking Puff Daddy covered that a few years ago. <laughs> you can't 20 years go ago. Anywhere I mean, without hearing, and I love that, of course, all those songs. Synchronicity. Oh, yeah. With yeah. one breath, with one blow. That you was great, know. yeah. And the Synchronicity, too, of course. The uh, And it was cool. I mean, and we, we talked about this a little bit off air, but, but that was when music started going from like. There was a lot of the hair band stuff and kind of the rock stuff, but then it kind of it was breaking off into more like new wave and alternative. That was really like the birth of alternative. Totally. And and that stuff was like the, the Eurythmics and, and the Duran Duran, which was a little earlier, but but uh, Police. I mean, all these bands were starting to do stuff. a little bit different um, you know, style, and it kind of it, it, it separated the format a little bit. But it seemed to be in the water of this inspiration because something else, you, you can't believe it, is it? The debut records from Madonna, Joan Jett, Lita Ford, all this, oh, Metallica. Metallica's Ford. Kill Em All, Joan Jett's first record, okay, Lita Ford's Out for Blood. All this came out in 1983. I had 1980, them all. I had them all, man. But you still listen to them is the is the important thing. Okay? That's right. Timeless, right? Uh, okay. Uh, you know, uh, some other stuff that maybe not have been quite classics, but from classic bands. Black Sabbath, Born Again. Loved, okay. I loved it. Had it. The first Queensryche record came out in 83. The EP with Queen of the right. Reich. And, right. Oh, yes. ACDC's yes. Flick of the Switch. Not quite the most classic. Right. Band. A disappointment, but I had it because I've seen ACDC in concert already. And something that was all over MTV, and I just saw this gentleman this past Monday, and he has a great annual Christmas show around Christmas time, was the Stray Cats, man. Oh, yeah, man. With Rock This Town and all. And Stray, Stray Cats, Cats strut, strut, I'm a lady's cat. A real Casanova. Hey, that's a great Get shoes thrown at me from. Okay. Okay, the first I'm a nerd. The first Rat EP came out in 83. I know that you're a big fan of, of love Rat. Rat. Okay, I mean, and then, you know what also might be the biggest record of 83 other than the David Bowie and the Police? 
Huey Lewis in the News is Sports came out. Everywhere. And you that hear was that huge. everywhere you go. That was huge, man. We mentioned Kiss. And did you say Eliminator from ZZ Top? That's right. That's a huge one, too, man. Okay, I mean, it just it just goes on and on and on. Uh, what so, was the number one album from 83? I think Synchronicity. In terms of record sales and every breath you take just dominated. Okay. Uh, John okay. Cooker Me- Mellencamp's Uh-huh came out that year. You know Jack and Diane and all yes. those songs came out. Hurt that, So Good. It hurt So Good. Well, hurt So Good came out in 82. Oh, was well, I tried. You did. You did. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much. Let's go back to 83. To 83. Uh, I'm a big fan of Porter Sisters, but I know here's one that you is is still in the red leather set. If you could believe it, that same week, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell oh, yeah, yeah. came no, out. In no 83. doubt about it, Billy Idol. One of my still to this day one of my favorites. Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon came out in '83. Oh my god, this is the best year of music ever. The first Slayer record, Show No Mercy. No comes way. Out. I'm telling you, 1983 was the birth of. Greatness uh, of it all. Okay, that's great. So we want to thank again my my uh, my co-host here, Chaz McFun, Chaz McKnight. I always want to say McKnight. I know it's just night. No, it's just the nightmare. It's, it's the night in shining armor. You know, people know who I am. I'm that guy. That's right. I'm that guy. Well, well. Hey, I, thanks for having me, man. This was fun because, I mean. I knew why you called me. Now I know. I'm like, right, you right. called me because um, 83 was practically my year. I mean, I was testosterone, hormones, guitars, music, girls, movies. I mean, I was right in the middle of all this, man. But even from a different perspective, even as a nine-year-old, like I said, you're kind of discovering things like, like Scarface and Delirious. But that one week in September... We could do a whole episode on just... That might be the greatest week of our lives. Of of any life, ever. (laughs) I mean, that is a great week. No, it really is. We may have to do a show just about that week and get more in-depth on those things. Totally, totally. That's great. Again, want to thank our guest, Larry Hama. want to thank our great sponsors, Theo Garza. Uh, and also Catalina for, for joining us here. Catalina. Catalina. Again, we thank you. Get... Go ahead and subscribe. Get that subscription going. You want to win a suicidegirls.com subscription? Yes. Subscription. We also want to say Merry Christmas uh, to everybody out there. We hope you're having a great holiday season. For, uh, once again, from my man Chaz McKnight here, I'm your host, Roy Turner, and we'll see you next week. Mick Turner.